So what healing is, is essentially a restoration to health. Yeah, that's pretty simple. Um, healing occurs naturally. Um, our body often heals itself, and God has designed it to be that way. So we've all experienced incidents of natural healing. We have a built-in immune system, and what is that for? Is there any medical people here? Lori, come on. Yeah, immune, the immune system is there to help you be immune to attacks by germs. There's uh, 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 clotting agents in our blood that are there to keep us from bleeding out when we have a cut or some kind of an injury. Um, yeah, Jason Alexis could help here too on, on these things. Um, blood cells that fight infection. Co so out of all the blood cells we have, how many different colors are there of blood cells? Two. And those colors are? Red and white. Isn't that nice? And uh, so, uh, Jace, what do the red cells do? Carry oxygen. And Alexis, what do the white cells do? Yeah, they care for you. They're the ones that fight uh, our infections. And so if you have an elevated white blood count, what does that mean? You've got an infection somewhere. So, okay, that's the extent of my medical knowledge. Thank you for your help. Uh, so we have natural healing that occurs, and we've all experienced that. We experience it on a regular basis where our bodies actually heal themselves with no intervention from uh, doctors or medicines um, and that kind of thing. The second kind of healing would be, uh, we might call that medical or medicinal healing, and that occurs when outside medical intervention or assistance assists our natural healing through medications, through different kinds of medical procedures and practices, and um, our, our bodies are, um, when they need that extra help because our natural healing uh, can't uh, keep up with it or whatever the need is, we go to doctors or we go to physicians and we have them for all different parts of our body and all different kinds of maladies. We have um, oncologists that deal with what? Cancer. We have uh, ENTs that are for ear, nose, and throat. We have dentists. We have uh, all, the, all of the different medical things here. Orthopedics, pediatrics, surgeons, internists, all of these are intended to help heal our bodies when there's an injury. Last year in the United States, $350 billion was spent on prescription drugs. $3.65 trillion was spent on health care. So healthcare would be all of your doctor visits, your surgeries, all of those kinds of things in the United States. The average cost of healthcare to each one of us, just if you were to average it out, is about $11,000 per person. Jesus validated the use of medical healing when he said in Luke 5.31, 
Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. So we never want to get the impression, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, that Jesus intends for us to be healed miraculously in all cases, when in reality, quite often, he expects us to take advantage of the medical facilities that we have. Before Paul died, he wrote a letter to um, uh, 1 Timothy, or to Timothy, and in 1 Timothy 5.23, Timothy had problems with his stomach. Now, Paul healed people on many occasions, but he didn't heal Timothy. What did he tell Timothy to do? Take a little bit of wine for your stomach and for your frequent ailments. And so that would be an example of what we might call maybe medically assisted healing. And we're all aware of that kind of healing. What we really want to focus on this morning is what we're calling miraculous healing. Miraculous healing is healing which God does independent of natural healing and medicinal healing. And uh, there's a number of churches and Christians today that teach that it is never God's will for one to be sick. It is always God's will for us to be completely healed. And if you simply have enough faith, whatever physical need you're facing, with enough faith, you can be miraculously healed. So we want to just kind of use that as a backdrop. And let's, so here's our, here's our survey of healing in the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, can you think of any examples where someone got healed of a disease uh, in the Old Testament and who were they healed by? Any, can you think of anyone? Who? Oh, yes, yes, okay. Naaman, right? He had leprosy. And uh, go down the Jordan River, dip five times, and your leprosy will be healed. Job got healed in the, at the end, okay. Miriam. Miriam, leprosy in Numbers 12, yeah. The first instance of healing that I could find in the Bible was when Abraham prayed for um, a king by the name of, I think it was Abimelech was his name. He goes down outside of the country with Sarah, his wife, and he kind of pawns her off as his sister because he thought that the people of the land would see how beautiful she was and kill him and take her. And the Lord closed all of the wombs of the household of this king, and he found out that Abraham had not been honest with him, and he confronts him, and, uh, and the Lord reveals to the king that Abraham is a prophet and I protected you from taking advantage of his wife 
but Abraham will pray for you, and you'll be healed. And Abraham did pray, and the wombs were then opened, and the children were then, uh, the, the women were able to bear children. In the Old Testament, healings are very, very rare, and they're separated by hundreds of years. In the Old Testament, um, uh, kings didn't heal, priests didn't heal, um, some of the prophets healed, but only a couple. And so when we look for examples of miraculous healing in the Old Testament, like we see in the Gospels, for instance, um, they're, they're, they're just really extremely rare. There's two prophets that are in the book of First and Second Kings, Elijah and Elisha. And they are both noted for having raised a child from the dead. And if you read about those accounts, um, Elijah prayed for the child of um, uh, a woman whose family he was staying with, and the Lord healed that child. Elisha, who followed up Elijah, um, the Shunammite widow's son died, and he raised that son from the dead. They did it differently, though. Elijah called on the name of the Lord, and the son was healed. Elisha, it's like he, he says he laid on the son, and he breathed on him, and then the boy woke up and sneezed seven times, and it's really kind of a bizarre thing. But anyway, that's uh, one of the very few what we would call physical healings in the Old Testament. There are a number of physical healings, but they're done directly by the Lord and not through a man. Um, he, King Hezekiah, uh, the Lord told him, put your house in order, you're going to die, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord gave him another 15 years of life. And so there's some examples like that where God directly healed, like Miriam, who was struck with leprosy by the Lord, and then the Lord healed her as well. The Levites, there's no evidence that the Levites actually healed anybody, but they did declare lepers clean after they'd gone through a process of cleansing. But as far as the kind of healings that we see uh, in, the, in the New Testament, they're very rare in the Old Testament. Now what I want to do now is just display a series of verses from the Gospels where we see, uh, like on a timeline, you could, you know, you got a healing here and then a couple hundred years later another one and then another one a couple hundred years later. But when you come to the Gospels, this three-year period of Jesus' ministry is filled with miracles, including healing. And so in the Bible and in history, the majority of what we would call miraculous events occurred during the life ministry of Jesus here on earth. And so let's look at some of these. And what I'd like you to do as we just go through this, you know, we'll, we'll display these on the, on, the, uh, on the screen here. See if you can find any common elements in these different healings. And these are all done by Jesus, okay? So... Mark 1.42, he heals a leper, and it says, Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. 
He got up, this is a, a paralyzed man. He got up and immediately picked up the pallet, went out inside of everyone. They were all amazed, glorifying God. We've never seen anything like this. I believe these are all from the Gospel of Mark, actually. This is a woman who had a flow of a blood, an issue of blood that would flow. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. How did she get healed? Do you remember what, how that happened? He just touched the hem of Jesus' garment and healing power went from him. Um, this is a man who was uh, blind and uh, Jesus says, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. So that's uh, healing from blindness. Um, here's uh, two men who were healed of blindness out of Matthew. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Luke 4.39, um, this is Peter's mother-in-law and Jesus who had a fever and it's, the healing occurs right here. Jesus rebuked the fever, it left her. She immediately got up and waited on them. Uh, this is an actual resurrection from the dead where Jesus heals a young girl who has died and, her, and he, he comes and he touches her and it says, and her spirit returned and she got up immediately and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. There in Luke 8.55. There was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. She was bent double, could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. He laid her hands on her and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. Uh, the man that was uh, another paralyzed man in John 5 by the pool of Siloam, or no, the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Um, okay, we'll stop there. Did you see anything in those examples that had a common element? The word immediately occurred every time. Immediately. Immediately her eyesight returned. Immediately he picked up his pallet and walked. Immediately, that previous one, <coughs> excuse me, she was made erect again. Some of it was because of their faith, and there's some of it that appears to be just totally independent of faith at all. Uh, there was one person that Jesus healed, and the guy that was healed didn't even know it was Jesus. And so there's examples of Jesus that heals just sovereignly, all on his own. And there's other parts where faith, his healing is a response to faith. And... Uh, and so, um, but the faith was certainly the focus of much of the healing there. So in the Gospels, Jesus does all the healing. Except for these guys. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Not only did Jesus, well, not only, 
Jesus is the one that had authority to heal. I mean, let's face it, he's the creator. But he gave that same authority to heal to these 12 men. Now the assumption is that all of the other followers of Jesus here didn't have that authority. He specifically gave it to these 12. And so what you see in the Gospels and in what you will see later in the book of Acts, those are the ones that do the healing. It's Jesus primarily, and then when Jesus goes back to heaven, it's going to be 11 of these 12. Judas is gone. There is another group in Luke. Uh, sorry about the red print. There's 70 that Jesus chose to go out two by two and to carry the gospel of the kingdom into the cities of Israel. He gave those 70 that same authority. So out of all the followers of Jesus in the gospels, and there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, those who were given authority to heal was Jesus, the twelve, and the seventy. And so, and what we see in, this is just kind of a summary statement, when evening came, they brought him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were, who were ill. When you study healing in the Gospels, what you find out is anyone that came to Jesus for healing always got healed. But not everyone who was sick was healed by Jesus. In John chapter 5, he comes to the, the, pool, of, um, the pool of Bethesda, or Bethsaida, I can't remember how to spell it even. And the pool is surrounded by people who are crippled and sick, and they're waiting they had this belief that once a year an angel would come from heaven he would stir up the waters of the pool and whoever stepped in first would be healed so in John 5 Jesus goes to that pool and it's it's surrounded by sick people and he picks one man who's paralyzed and he's been there for 38 years and Jesus says, do you want to get well? You know what he says? I don't have anybody to take me down into the water when the waters are stirred up. And Jesus takes that one man and he heals him. And he's immediately healed. And he tells him, pick up your pallet and walk. Pick up your, pick up your, your, your bedroll there and walk. And then everybody else left there at the pool in their illness. So, all those, what you'll see is all of those who came to Jesus for healing would get healed. But not everybody that was sick in the land of Israel or in Judah or in Jerusalem did he go out and heal. The ministry of Jesus in the Gospels, healing was just a means to an end. And uh, I'll talk about that in a few moments. So we come to the book of Acts. And there's a number of healings and miracles that occur in the book of Acts. What's different between the Gospels and the book of Acts? What's, what's the major difference? What's missing in Acts that we have in the Gospels? 
Jesus. He's gone back to heaven, okay? So he didn't do any more healing on earth. He's not here. But remember those 12 that he gave the authority to heal in Matthew 10? Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, now there is a... I've got to fix this. My ears are growing, I guess. Um, there's a perception that some Christians have of the book of Acts. That the book of Acts, which talks about the early church, that it was a time when everybody was healing. All the Christians had the ability to heal. Everybody was doing miracles. It was just the natural course of events that was to be expected in the church of Jesus Christ. And so sometimes people will portray the book of Acts as, as a time when, because the Holy Spirit has been given, now, now all believers can perform these miracles of healing. But when you actually survey the book of Acts, you find uh, the miracles, the healings, and the, the signs and the wonders are primarily done by the apostles. Uh, Peter and John in Acts 3 they go, and here's a man who's uh, 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 crippled again. And did we put all ten verses up here, Diana? Let's see. Okay, so it's Peter and John. And uh, uh, Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Walk. Now, what's the silver and gold all about? He was a beggar, and he was... Peter and John, he was kind of hoping that they would give him some money. Peter says, we don't have any money that we're going to give you, but here's what we will give you. And they just make this statement. And what happens? Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright, began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and leaping and praising God taking note of him. So who does this healing? What's the character of the healing, that just in this case here? It's immediate. What else what might you say about it? Well, it was miraculous because if you've been crippled that long, you wouldn't be able just to get up and, I mean, even if you were healed, you wouldn't really be strong enough to go leaping and... Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we talk about atrophy. Right? And atrophy is what? Uh, What's that? Shrinkage of muscle. And, you, and it, it, it's a weakness. So um, my dad, when he was, um, well, he was probably my age, <laughs> he had a stroke and it crippled his left arm. He, he couldn't use it. And so, you know, you'd go to shake his hand, and he'd have to do this. And, and, uh, but what happened over the years is his, you know, the muscles in the arm, they just get, because of lack of use, get weaker and weaker. This miracle, the thing that especially makes it miraculous twofold is, first of all, he can actually get up, but then he's got full strength in his ankles and in his feet. Complete healing. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Abundant grace was upon them all. 
at the hands of the apostles. Many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with Solomon and Solomon's uh, accord there. And then I think we have one more. This is Paul and Barnabas. And it says, The Lord was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. Um, not all of the miracles in the book of Acts are done by apostles, however. Uh, Stephen uh, was able to do signs and wonders, as was Philip in Acts chapter 8. But by and large, it is the apostles who were given the authority to perform the miraculous healings that occurred in the book of Acts. Now again, I, I make the point, that wasn't an authority that was given to all the other believers in the book of Acts. It was somewhat uniquely related to the apostles. And there's a reason for that. And uh, maybe if we could just turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 2.12. So if you would turn there, 2 Corinthians 2.12. Now, in 2 Corinthians, wait a minute, did I say 2.12? What did I mean? 12.12, sorry. Can't read, can't read my own Bible. 2 Corinthians 12.12. 12. The apostles were, the, their authority was reflected by their ability to do these miraculous signs. It says in this verse here, okay, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. The sign that enabled the believers in the first century churches to know that this individual was an apostle is because they had the authority to do these miraculous signs. Paul writes 2 Corinthians in this chapter here um, against the backdrop of a group of men in the Corinthian church who were claiming to be apostles. And Paul makes this statement, the way that a true apostle is to be determined it's because they have the ability to do these signs and these wonders. Spoken about in 2 Hebrews 2, 2 Hebrews, Hebrews 2, 4, God also testifying with them, the apostles, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. So as we go through the area of healing, from Old Testament into the New, we find that healings, the miraculous healings, were for the most part rare and not the normal, and the miraculous healings were especially done by Jesus and then these groups to whom he had given the authority to heal. When you come into the New Testament, and you read some of the epistles, what you find out is that um, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are gifts of healing, 
granted by the Holy Spirit. So there are individuals who are now, uh, have been a part of the church since the apostles, who were gifted with gifts of healing. And uh, so we can't say, now that the apostles are gone, that there's no more miraculous healing, because that's simply not the case. But the kinds of healing that we're looking at is what is going to verify a person's claim to be able to heal from God. In James chapter 5, it's prayer that seems... So if anyone's sick, who do you call for? The elders of the church. And what are they supposed to do? Pray, anointing him with oil. And then it goes on to say, how else do you get healed? Uh, James 5.16. You confess your sins to one another and you do what? You pray for one another. If you go through the... Um, just the, a history of healing, if you will. Prayer has always been the primary means whereby one appeals to God for healing. Now, in light of these examples we've seen, I want to talk a little bit about the character of healing. And here's why. Well, I won't tell you why yet. That's, that's at the end, okay? The healings that we read about in the Gospels are often simply associated with the Messiah. In other words, when the Jewish Messiah comes to earth, how will we know? John the Baptist actually sent some of his own disciples to Jesus and said, Are you the one, or should we be looking for someone else? Do you remember that? How did Jesus answer that? He quoted from the book of Isaiah the prophecy about what, what do we look for when this Messiah comes? The blind see, the lame walk, and the deaf hear. The very same categories of miracles we see Jesus doing in the Gospels are the very ones that Isaiah identified with the coming of the Messiah. And so in the, in the Gospels, a lot of Jesus' miracles are in fulfillment of that prophecy and they helped, uh, uh, they were signs that this is the Messiah. The extent of healing in the Gospels, and we, we read a verse about that, um, <laughs> and we'll sing that in a minute, uh, <laughs> unless that was the Lord saying, preach this sermon again, uh, but... Oh, Chris is leaving. I guess not. <laughs> the extent. I'll read out of Matthew 4.23. Jesus was going about in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So we just read about blindness, paralysis, deafness, and yet this verse tells us Jesus healed all kinds of diseases. And I'm going to assume by that some you could see and maybe some you couldn't see. Uh, th that's an assumption. But if you can't see it, it kind of loses its, its power as a sign. So the idea that the miracles that are recorded for us in the Gospels 
and in the book of Acts are, are pretty um, out in the open. So the extent of miracles, every kind. The completeness of the miracles. There's a man with a withered hand. This was my dad's favorite passages out of Matthew 12. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored to normal, just like the other. Matthew 20:34. he's healing the two blind men. Jesus was moved with compassion. He touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. These miracles were complete. There's a miracle in Acts 3 about this man whose legs were strengthened. Peter says, it's on the basis of faith in his name. It's the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man you see and know. And the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. When Jesus healed, it was a complete healing. It was a perfect healing. Um, and it was of all different kinds of diseases. We've already seen the immediacy with which these healings occurred. You just go through, just, just go through the Gospel of Mark and just pick out all of the healings that occur there. And that word immediately is going to be found in those verses. The healing power that Jesus had rendered those individuals immediately healed. The idea about how clear were these miracles? Remember when Lazarus was healed? Did the Pharisees try to explain away that resurrection from the dead? They didn't. Why not? Because it was so obvious to everybody they couldn't. Yeah, how do you explain that? Do you know what they wanted to do instead? Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think about that, that's kind of a, I mean, Jesus just raised him from the dead. I mean, what's killing him going to do? He's just raising him back from the dead if he wanted. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what was going on in their minds. This miracle in Acts 3, here's what the Pharisees say. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. The miracles of Jesus and the apostles were undeniable. They were so evident to everybody that there were no excuses made for them. That no one could say, no, that really didn't happen. The whole point of the miraculous in these cases is to present a sign, an indication that these men are authorized by God. But the signs and the miracles and the wonders that they do are of such a nature that they really were never brought into question. And then we talked about how selective Jesus was. Some people he healed, other people he left in their sickness. The apostles in the book of Acts, the same way. Paul, who raised people from the dead 
and who healed people from their sickness didn't heal Timothy. Uh, there's another man that Paul says, uh, he's talking about him and he says, I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. I had to leave him there because he was sick. And so the healings in both the epistles and in the book of uh, Acts and the Gospels were selectively chosen by the Lord. Not everybody got miraculously healed. What are the purposes behind healing? Let me read Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. What was the purpose of Jesus in healing the sick in that verse? It was simply a show of his compassion. It really wasn't about a sign at that point. It's simply that he is a compassionate God. And when he saw people suffering, it moved him in his heart. And he healed them. We've talked about signs. Um, these miracles were signs and witnesses to the presence of the Messiah or the authority of the apostles. And we, we talked about that already, the signs of a true apostle. Why? How do we explain it when God doesn't heal miraculously? Sovereignty. Sovereignty? Okay. That's just, what does that mean, Phil? That just God just. He chooses. Okay. I'm going to heal this person, but miraculously. But I'm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Any other factors other than do we have is there anything that's Tim? As a lot of you know, my beautiful wife that you almost never see here with me walks in chronic pain and she's wondered and prayed and believed for years. And I have told her that God did not afflict her. We live in a fallen world and a mistake took place when a horse fell on her over twenty five years ago and she has chronic pain and many more details because of it. But I tell her factually that if God has not healed her, that he is simultaneously entrusting that she is and will and continue to lean on him and endure. And that's, that's uh, quite, quite something to, to hold on to, that they, he entrusts that she can, because he always provides a way of escape, yet it hasn't been. So the fact that she's been trusted as she continues to lean into him and makes her more, you know. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Okay, good. You know, a good example of that, uh, yeah, Anne's husband Larry, you know, for years, paraplegic. And, but he had such a powerful testimony. And Dean, shares, uh, Dean shares about when Larry, went, when Larry would go to the mission with them and talk to the men you know, out of his wheel, wheelchair. It was just completely silent. He had everybody's attention. That weakness actually was a demonstration of the power of God. Blanche. I always 
<laughs> yes. Yes, yes. The ultimate healing. Lori? Yeah, it, uh, that's, I think, quite often the case. But is it ever our fault? It can be? Are you, like, speaking for all of us or for yourself? Or? <laughs> That you won't or, be healed from? That you won't be healed from. You might yeah. not be healed from. Yeah. I mean, you might have, if you decide that you're going to um, be an alcoholic or just drink a lot, I guess that's the same. But anyways, um, then you may have the kidney and liver that maybe the Lord's not going to heal you from. Okay. I, I mean, sure. I, I think there's consequences to the choices. If you smoke cigarettes, you can have lung cancer. Well, it's like sowing and reaping, right? You, what you sow. It's just consequences yeah. to choices that we've made. And sometimes, sometimes we suffer from things that we didn't do anything. And, you know, I don't. Like Job. We don't know how to answer those. But yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, sometimes I do believe that it's a direct. Well, here's a verse out of Mark. And Jesus could not do any miracles there, except he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Do you know why he couldn't do any miracles in, I think it was uh, Nazareth? They didn't believe. believe. Unbelief. Jesus talks about, uh, he asks one man, do you want to get healed? And he says, you know, do you have enough, you know, do, do you believe who I am? So, you know, we don't want to deny the fact that in a number of cases, healing doesn't occur because we really don't believe it will occur. Now, we don't want to get into the problem of, like, mind over matter and, you know, positive confession and that kind of thing, because I don't think there's any legitimacy to that. But faith is an important factor. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we need to have faith when we pray for the Lord's healing. We need to have faith in Him. And the faith is, Lord, we come to You because we believe You have the power and the heart to heal. But if you choose not to heal, that's not where our faith is. Our faith isn't whether God's going to heal or not heal. Our faith is in Him as a person. You see, that, that's the difference. Uh, and, and faith isn't, I've got to believe this so hard before God will answer it. It's not about how hard you believe something. It's the object of our faith. And the faith isn't in the healing. Faith is in the person. I, I hope you see that distinction there. Okay, let me summarize for you because uh, the... It's the same thing as having, still having faith with unanswered prayers. Sure, that's right. Our, the demonstration isn't if we get our prayer answered the way mm-hmm. we want, it's still continuing to have faith in Jesus because yeah. he is who he is. And yeah, we love him that's right. No well, let me just summarize for you just some thoughts here, okay? So just, there's a, a whole list of them and maybe some of them you'll remember some of them, this time of the service, you might not remember anything. But uh, <laughs> historically, miraculous healings diminished but did not disappear with the death of the apostles. And what I mean by that is when you study church history, you don't see a lot of healings occurring from the first century to the 21st century. 
Now, again, in the 20th century, with the rise of the charismatic movement and a lot of the Pentecostal denominations, there became a renewed emphasis on healing that, that we'll talk about just briefly here. Miraculous healings were typically done in relationship to signs of authority. The gifts of healing are still present, but as was in the Bible, healings are still rare. Now we're talking miraculous healings. So we're saying, yes, they can occur. Well, that's the next thing. Okay. Sickness in the New Testament church is primarily addressed to, through prayer. Gifts of healing should not be dismissed, but neither should they be demanded. You understand? Okay. So I, I can never say that the Lord doesn't heal or didn't heal or won't heal, but neither can anyone say, you have to expect that. Genuine healing should appear, genuine miraculous healing should appear like New Testament healings. Complete, obvious, and immediate. That is not to say that if you were healed from something that's not visible to other people, that nevertheless, that is still a miraculous healing. But the kind of healings we see in the Bible if we are going to display ourselves, perhaps, as a healer, they need to look like the healings that Jesus did. Anemic acts of power do more dishonor to the Lord than honor. And I'll come back to that. No, I probably won't. The rarity of obvious healings is not necessarily due to spiritual weakness in the church or the individual. If you pray for healing and the miraculous healing doesn't come, you cannot conclude automatically. It's because you didn't have enough faith. Those who are sick need the prayer of the church. Those with gifts of healing should practice them as directed by the Lord. The evidence of healing should be obvious in order to attribute it to miraculous means. Those who are sick, Jesus said, need a physician. Now don't take this personally if you're from a Pentecostal background. So you probably already have taken it personally. <laughs> but let me finish what I'm saying. My wife, Christy, was raised in Assembly of God churches. Her, her aunt, who was a great saint and loved the Lord with all of her heart, um, you know, was from, so that's Christy's background. But what we discovered is members in Pentecostal churches appear no healthier than those in non-Pentecostal churches. <coughs> Claims made by faith healers are hollow unless those claims can be backed up by the kind of healings that Jesus did. Well, there's a certain careless freedom you have when you're 70.
we have sung and churches all over the world today are singing songs produced by the by, by Bethel music the hotbed for miraculous for claims of miraculous healing today they go from place to place they they were in Pensacola Florida for a while and then in Lakewood and you know these different places where these supposed revivals of divine healing. Well, now it's in Redding, California at, at, uh, at the Bethel Church there. And um, so they have these claims that if you go there, you can get healed. There's people there that have the power to heal you. And this last year, there's two events, pretty tragic events that happened. Um, one was um, a young, very young boy uh, of one of the worship leaders got sick and uh, they prayed for his healing and uh, he didn't get better and eventually it got so bad that they, they did take him to the hospital and he had E. coli and they treated it with just uh, uh, a lot of fluids, intravenous fluids and he got better the second event that occurred is uh, one of the singers on their worship team, their daughter, young daughter, mysteriously died. And this just happened a number of months ago. And so the church that proclaims the power, you know, to raise people from the dead had this prime example. And they prayed for two weeks all around the world for that girl to be raised from the dead. And uh, after two weeks, they decided they needed to, you know, put together a memorial service. Now, I say that for this reason. Not everyone that claims the power to heal is able to back up that claim. And we as believers need to be open to the possibility, but not gullible to the claims. Here's the dangers of believing some of what we see today. If you're not healed, it's your fault because it's always God's will for you to be healed. In that last statement, which is the premise, that it is always God's will for you to be healed is so without merit in the scripture that it's not always your fault if you're not healed. The other danger is this, you don't need a doctor. You just need faith. And there have been too many examples of tragic reports of children who died because their parents would not take them to a doctor or give them medication. Failed or fake healings bring reproach on the name of Christ. So, if we would and I'll just conclude with this for us. Always pray for healing and leave it up to the Lord whether that healing occur through medicine, through natural healing, or through miraculous healing. But in the end, no matter what means, God is our healer. He may use medication. He could have, feel, he could have healed your eyes just by touching them. But instead you went to the doctor and God healed through that means. I always, I always figure that uh, the doctor does the treating and the Lord does the healing. 
That's right. That's a good way to put it. So we, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to denigrate all of those whom God is using to bring healing. So just, I, I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. But at the end of the day, God is our healer. I shared this, I don't know how long ago, how many times ago, when we first came here in Blanche, I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, early on at the church here, we, we, we'd go to Jesus Northwest. Did you, did you ever do that? Yeah, yeah, to Jesus Northwest in Vancouver, Washington. And uh, I'll always remember this one evening when the grandstands are full of people and there's a speaker there. He was a former professional NBA basketball player who's now become, who had now become an evangelist. So he preached his message on healing and he invited everybody that wanted to be healed to come forward and so people came forward and these different healings occurred that, um, I mean, you just basically take people's word for it that, you know, I feel better now or, but there wasn't anything really like what we saw Jesus do. But, but the one thing that was so sad, and this is why I remember it. So he's up front. you got people walking to the front. And over here in, this, in the fairgrounds there, there's a section that's been set apart for people in wheelchairs. And it's all full of people in wheelchairs. And not one of those people was healed. In fact, nobody even took one of those wheelchairs and wheeled it up to the front. And they left in the same wheelchair that they came in. And so, <laughs> I still, I still get mad at that. <laughs> and, uh, God can heal, but if he chooses not to heal, he's still God. And he's still to be honored for his choice not to heal you. And if you die, you're healed. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate healing is when we go to be with the Lord. The great healer. Some will be healed immediately. That's what, we all, that's what we pray for. Some will be healed immediately. Some will be healed eventually. Uh, Phil, your eyes will get better eventually. And some will be healed ultimately. Uh, we'll all be healed ultimately when we go to be with the Lord. So, so next week, I'll just jump off from this into the James passage itself, which talks about prayer for healing. But I, I just wanted to hopefully put things in perspective that we not feel like you lack something because you don't believe in divine healing. Anyway, I've gone way over, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we, I don't want in any way to give the impression that somehow you lack the power to heal. You can do all things. 
But Lord, you've told us that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And what does it profit us to have perfect health but lose our souls? Lord, our greatest desire is that Jesus Christ be lifted up and magnified through my life or through my death, through my health or through my sickness. Let my faith be such that Christ is lifted up. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.